Hey everybody, welcome back to Church Public. I am your host, Matt Odegaard, and I am glad that you stopped in today. We're taking a break from the news, and we are talking about cancel culture. So we're kind of talking about the news, but I won't cite any specific references today. We're just going to talk Bible, because more and more I've had this sense that people just want to know what is in the Bible, what does it mean, and what does it mean for my life? And that is really the first priority that I've had as I've been doing this podcast, is to help people follow Jesus. And then the second part is to live in this world, live in the live in the world, but not be of the world, right? Look like God, not look like the world. And this cancel culture thing has just been a bug. It's just been such an issue in the media and all over the place. And I also read through the Bible every year. I just kind of keep going around and around because I think it's good for me. And I think it's good for you to read through even some of the places that you don't necessarily want to read, Leviticus or Lamentations, any of the L ones that you probably haven't read in a while, or Deuteronomy. But today we're looking at Nehemiah, a small prophet and a guy that did a really good job, like literally did a good job for the kingdom of God. And we're going to talk about that today because I think it has a point for cancel culture. It's been bouncing around in my head and in my heart for a little while, and I've wanted to share it for a while, and apparently today is the day. So welcome to Church Public. Let's get started. Welcome back to Church Public. Again, if you haven't already and you want to, you can go to churchpublic.com. You can go to all of the podcast places. If you want to like and review and submit those, I really appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe, hit the notifications, do all of those things. And also you can check out uh, at Church Public and all of the social media places for a little bit more content as time goes by. So today we're looking at Nehemiah and we're looking at canceling cancel culture. And it starts out, where we're going to start is actually in chapter 6, and I'll explain a little bit of how we get to chapter 6 in a moment, but chapter 6, Nehemiah says, why should I come down? In essence, he says, why should I stop the work that I'm doing and leave it and go down to you? Because cancel culture, it seems to have taken over everything, our whole culture. You've probably heard about it. You hear about it every day. You may have even been victim to cancel culture in some way. Why has it exploded in such a big fashion? That's the question kind of that I'm looking at today. And is it even a new thing? And really, it's not. And the question today is, what can a normal everyday Christian do to cancel cancel culture? How do you live in this world and not be affected by just the craziness where this culture seems to be against at some point, literally everybody. That's how it seems to be. So we're going to look at Nehemiah today. Now, I'm reading a little bit into this text, and I freely admit that, so please read the book of Nehemiah. Read through it. This does exist in the Bible, and it exists in a specific period of time for a reason, but I think there are points that we can draw out of this in how we live our everyday life. Just like much of the Bible, it's written for that period. It's written to specific people in that period, but as followers today, we can look back and go, hey, there are some points that we can learn from here, and there are some points that we can apply to our lives. And I think this one, this question that Nehemiah poses in chapter 6 that we'll look at in a moment, why should I stop the work that I'm doing and deal with you right now, sounds not nice. And that's why I like it. It sounds like this thing because Christians are supposed to be nice. We're supposed to drop everything. We're supposed to be graceful. We're supposed to just give everything we have until it hurts and then give some more right? I mean, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Isn't that how we're supposed to live? But Nehemiah acts a little bit differently. He says, you guys are bothering me. I'm not going to come down and I'm not going to even deal with you right now, which to me, this is the reason why I love this so much. It flies so much in the face of both this super nice culture 
and this cancel culture where there where people are just saying pay attention to me pay attention to me pay attention to me pay attention to me and sometimes as a believer as a follower of god you can say no i'm not going to pay attention to you right now but more on that in just a moment let's talk about nehemiah Nehemiah lived in the time of Daniel. You may have heard of Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den. You have Rakshak and Benny or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who went into the fiery furnace. You have Daniel in the lion's den. You have all of these different things. You may have heard of this really long named leader, uh, king uh, leader guy named Nebuchadnezzar. I'm not going to talk very much about him. You can read through Nehemiah. You can read through Daniel. You can read through um, uh, there's a bunch of other places that that this kind of account is is talked about. But here's the main thing. And, and there are a bunch of prophets, prophets in the Bible that lead up to this point because God, who is very patient, said over and over and over again to the Israelites, hey, would you please follow the rules that I have laid out for you? They are not only for me, they are for you. They're so that you live a life that, as Jesus says much later, is abundant. You live a life that is good. You live a life that is right and righteous and appropriate. And people in Israel as well as today, but in Israel, over and over and over again, did the wrong kinds of things. And their list of wrong things is really long. I'm not going to go through that today. But God, again, sent prophet after prophet after prophet and said, if you don't follow me, if you don't do the right things, I'm going to have to do something. And what happened is God said, this is what's going to happen. People are going to come. They're going to conquer you. They're going to take you into their land. So that is what happened. And that's what we read about. This is the aftermath of that where the Israelites are taking it into Babylon, and they're there for quite some time. And that's where you get Daniel, and that's where you get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and a bunch of other things happened during that time. Um, and it's not great for the Israelites. I mean, let's just be honest. It's not a great account. It's not a great time. And the people of Israel are in trouble. There's still a remnant. There's still some that are left in the Jerusalem area where the temple was built. Maybe you remember David sponsored the temple, thought about building a temple, couldn't build the temple because of some of his sins. His son Solomon built the temple. It was the most glorious temple in the world, in the history of the world. Who knows, right? And what happened in Nehemiah, I'm fast forwarding all of this history, right? Because I know you gloss over a little bit with history, but stick with me because this is a good story. Nehemiah, a good Hebrew, finds out, and that's where we get to the beginning of Nehemiah, Nehemiah 1. He finds out, hey, the temple, uh, the, the city of Jerusalem is in, in bad shape. The walls of Jerusalem, and walls are really important for keeping out bad guys and, and um, maintaining a, a good society, right? Uh, good walls make good neighbors. That's a more current expression, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so he's building this. I'm sorry. He hears that the walls are just in disrepair, and people are in trouble because of this. The, the people of Israel are in trouble. The Israelites are in trouble. So Nehemiah prays this incredible prayer. It's actually an incredible prayer. And I, you know, if you have a moment today, just go read Nehemiah 1 and read the prayer that he prays because it is so good and it is so heartfelt. And I just love it. And I'm not going to read it today. This is like the teaser, right? Or maybe some inspiration. Open your Bible today and read Nehemiah 1 and read the prayer that he prays because it's such a heartfelt thing where Nehemiah cries out to God and says, hey, my people are in trouble. What do I do? And so what he, what he ends up doing, like any good entrepreneur, is I need to go I need to go and fix this. I need to go and do the work, and I need to go and fix this wall. But, of course, Nehemiah is not particularly free. He does work for this king, and, and he has to 
say to the king, like, hey, I need to go and do this. Um, but he's just a lowly guy. He happens to be kind of like a cupbearer, right? So he's just bringing, he brings the drinks, right? He brings the, the king his his wine and, and stuff, and that's it. That's that's the influence that he gets over the king. And apparently he looked very downtrodden. That's, that's where we get in the story. <laughs> he just apparently looks depressed. He's just walking around like depressed. And so depressed, in fact, apparently, that the king looks at him and goes, I see you look really downtrodden. You look really bad. What is going on with you? Like, you know, what's happening? I need I need my people to be like happy. So like, let's let's work on this. And and this is what happened. Again, read through this. The king saw that he was sad, and Nehemiah told the king about the trouble with the Israelites, with the Hebrews, with his people, and the wall. And there's a lot of great story that I'm fast-forwarding to because I want to get to chapter 6. So, again, go read Nehemiah 1 through 6. Read the whole book. It's not very long. Miraculously, and I think this is one of the first miracles that are that's happening here in, in this story. Miraculously, um, the king empowered Nehemiah to go and rebuild the wall. He's like, okay, this sounds like something worth investing in, so you go and do it. And this is a lot of great story here. Now, this is where we get to this point, because Nehemiah was working. There was a bunch of people working. Um, the wall is getting built. Things are happening, and apparently it's high, and he goes up onto this wall, and people didn't want him to do this, just as what this is where I think it, it crashes into our world, I think, in cancel culture. If you start doing something that's good, anything that's good, there are going to be people that oppose you. That's just, I think, human nature. That's why I asked the question at the beginning, is this cancel culture a new thing? I don't think it's a new thing. I think we see it in this story many thousand years ago. When you start doing good things, people are going to oppose you. When you start doing things for God, people are definitely going to oppose you. So this is the message that we get when we get to this point in Nehemiah 6. Um, there are these a couple of guys, uh, Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of the enemies. This is around 6-1. They heard that I, Nehemiah, had built the wall and there was no breach left, although at the time it wasn't quite done. This is just what Nehemiah is saying in Nehemiah 6. So Sanballat and Geshem say, Come, let's meet together in one of the villages on the plain and, and you know, let's just have some coffee and we'll talk about your work and how things are going. Like, that's that's my translation. But essentially, that's what they say. You know, like, let's just go have a little drink, snack. You know, we'll make some naan bread and, and then everything will be good. Um, but this is the, uh, this is the end of uh, verse 3. But they were scheming to harm me. Nehemiah says, like, what a shrewd operator. He's like, he knew these guys are like, hey, just come on, talk to us. It's going to be great. And uh, we'll just have some some good food and wine and we might kill you. But, you know, don't worry about that part. Oh, wait, don't we didn't say that out loud. Don't you know. And uh, again, let me just first say when people oppose you, when people try to cancel you, I, I don't think they're necessarily, you know, evil or or like Sambalat and Tobiah, but there may be three reasons that they fight against you. And uh, here, here are just those three reasons. Here's, here's my thoughts about this. Because again, well, I don't want to read into this passage and say this passage is just like what we're dealing with now. I don't want to say it's just like what you are dealing with now, but I think there are some themes that we can pull out of this that are similar because they speak to human nature. When there are people like Sambalat and Tobiah who come against you, like they came against Nehemiah, I think there's three main categories that this might come out of. One, they may just be bad people. 
I mean, I think these were bad people. Nehemiah says, they were scheming to harm me. That's pretty straightforward. Their motives were bad. Um, in this culture, they may be dominated by values of this culture. They may be dominated by cancel culture itself. We all probably have seen people like this. This is just something that we see all the time. So that's one. They may just be bad people. And I know we don't like to talk about that. We don't like to think, well, no one's really bad, right? Well, I, some people just are bad, and there's no way around it. And that's just part of the human nature that, again, we don't like to talk about these days. We want to think everybody's good, everybody's nice. I, I mean, I see so many posts online of, you're just fine, everybody's good, just believe the best in everybody. That's just not necessarily true and not necessarily how people are. Again, read through Romans if you want some great depth of knowledge about that. But back to Nehemiah. So they may be bad people. They may just be ignorant people. They may not know better. They may be deceived by other people. They may not know the whole story. They may be acting out of ignorance. I think this happens a lot. If you don't know the whole story, you may have gone to somebody and said, hey, I don't think you're doing the right thing here. And then when you hear more of the story, you're like, oh, I didn't know that. So that's that's a piece. They may be bad. They may just be ignorant. And here's the thing, here's the thing that I think most people are acting underneath. This is the reason they cancel people. This is the reason that you see cancel culture elevated so much right now. This is the reason that people are so heartfelt about where they're going. Good intentions. And this sounds so good, right? I think people have good intentions. They truly, 100%, believe they are doing the good thing, the right thing, the true thing. They believe what they're doing is right. They believe what they're doing is true. And they believe what you are doing is wrong, evil. They believe that their cause is the righteous one and that your cause is the bad one. I believe that is what we're seeing in cancel culture almost every time right now. They have good intentions. They want to do the right thing. We all, I think, want to do the right thing inherently. The problem is, and this is a catchy phrase, but I think it applies in this instance, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I'll say that again. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. A lot of people may have good intentions when they go after other people or when they attack other people or when they say you're doing the wrong thing or let's talk about what you're doing because what you're doing is just out of the realm of of good but i think this is this is literally like the rotel like this is the way people act and this is where you see and i talked about this the other day when i talked about eternity and the perspective of god and those types of things uh, you can go listen to that at churchpublic.com but but i think this is the problem that People have good intentions, but they they're they are actually on the wrong path. They're actually on the wrong track. They don't even know it. They don't even see it. And so these good intentions end up being bad or ending in these schemes to harm people. And that's obviously not good. And of course, I want to pause and ask, where is your heart in all of this? I think this is important. It's important for you to examine yourself because are you right in the situation? Are you right in any situation? This is some self-examination, some self-awareness. Have you prayed about this? Have you consulted the word of God about this? Have you consulted other people who are wise and who are following after God? And are you, are you following after God yourself? Does it make sense? Or 
are you out to lunch? And that's where you really have to figure out like, is your heart, are your actions in the right place? And if not, then, you know, you have to figure out how to go forward. And maybe it's you that's the problem and not them. And however, if you have prayed and read and sought counsel and there's still people trying to cancel you, there really is a good chance that they fall into one of the categories that we mentioned before. Either ignorant, good intentions, or maybe just plain bad. So what can we do? I think that's where we get to a little bit further in Nehemiah. So Nehemiah 6.3. So here's how he responds to them. And remember, what they said is, hey, just come down. We'll talk about this thing. And Nehemiah goes to himself. I'm not sure if he said this aloud because it doesn't say that he said this aloud, but he's like, these guys just want to like beat me up and throw me off the side of the wall (laughs) and kill me. But Nehemiah says, I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project. I cannot come down right now. I cannot go down. Why should this work stop while I leave and go down to you? I think that's such a great statement. Why should I come down off of this wall? Why should I stop? It's a great statement to remember when you're being faithful to God, when you've checked yourself, right? You've checked like, are my motives pure? Is my way the right way? Not just with yourself, but with the word of God, with others that follow after God, right? You've checked and you know you're going the right direction. You're going to have distractions. You're going to have temptations. You're going to have people, uh, enemies, sometimes even friends who will try to get you to stop being faithful, to stop doing the thing that God has called you to do. They will try to lure you away from your family and your work. They will try to distract you from your job or your school. They will try to tempt you with things that you may even really want to have. They'll say, you need to meet with these people. You, They'll say, you need to talk to these people. They'll say things that aren't true. And you'll think, oh, we need, I need to confront that. I need to take time out of my schedule to deal with that. You need to respond to these things, especially on social media. <laughs> and the worst of all, they'll say, you need to apologize. But wait, wait. I thought apologizing was biblical and righteous and the right thing to do. Yes, yes, yes. Apologizing is the right thing to do, except in this case. And hear me. Why? Because they don't want, need, or deserve an apology. Again, you've already checked yourself. Are you doing the right thing? Are you acting in the right way? Are you following after God? Are you living biblical principles? If all of those answers are good and you have eliminated all of that, apology is not the right thing. You can and should and must apologize when you have done something wrong. You actually should not apologize when people are seeking to harm you. Hear that clearly. You do not need to and you should not apologize when people are seeking to harm you. And the reality is they don't really want your apology anyway. And we see this over and over again in culture right now. Countless celebrities, public figures, etc. have recently been canceled and it goes one of two ways. Either... They have something that the culture wants, the left wants, and they forgive all the sins, at least momentarily, and then they let the person continue in the place that the culture wants them, or, and this is what we see more often, it doesn't matter how much you grovel, because the goal was not apology, the goal was not forgiveness, the goal was destruction. Nehemiah 6.2, they were scheming to harm me. And you need to understand This is a good example in Nehemiah that it's not just once, it's over and over and over and over again. Nehemiah 6.4, and they sent this to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same matter. And there's actually a fifth time that he says after this, people who oppose you, people who 
are in this cancel culture mentality are very persistent. It can seem like the social media posts, the gossip, the accusations never stop. Nehemiah, this is a great example, was equally persistent. As many times as they tried to say, come on down, come on down, come on down, let's take care of this. He stayed committed to the work. He did not come down. He said, why would I stop? Why would I even take time for you? Because you are not in control. God is in control and I have to follow God. And this is going to feel weird because we want to be nice and we want to be gracious and we want to take time for people. But the reality is we have to follow God first. And sometimes, that's why I like this story, following God means not following the culture, not going with the culture, but as I keep saying over and over again, being in the world, but not of the world. This is a great example of literally how to do that. Um, and and this is a great, this goes on, and, I, and what I love about this is it gives us practical application. Nehemiah 6.9, because when you don't know what to do, you don't know how to keep going, it's just overwhelming. Nehemiah gives us the best example. In Nehemiah 6.9, he says, he prayed, now strengthen my hands. That's so good because I don't know about you, but I pray this all the time when I don't know where I'm going, when I don't know how I'm going to keep going. God, give me strength. When you don't know what to do, when you're running on fumes, when you're scared, pray for strength from God to continue the work he has called you to do. Now, be clear, this is not a license to be rude. This is not a license to be mean or, or bad in any way. But you can have confidence that if you are in the will of God and you are following after God and you are being faithful, when those distractions come up, and they will, you can say, why should I come down? Why should I stop being faithful to God? This is a great story, and you should read about how following after God may not be easy, but it is rewarding. Here is near the end of this story in chapter 6. What happens when they build the wall, when Nehemiah does not get distracted from building the wall, when he does the work of God and approaches the end of this, this is verse 16. When our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of God. This is the thing. If you're in the will of God, if you're following after God, if you're praying and seeking, if you're reading, if you're consulting with other counselors, biblical uh, uh, people, wise followers of Jesus, and you know that you're going the right direction. When these distractions come up, when these elements come up, when this these problems come up, and people, some who you don't know, maybe sometimes who you even know, friends and family, people close to you say, what you're doing is the wrong thing. You can say, I don't think it is, and I don't need to stop and explain myself. Again, this is not a license to be rude. Understand me clearly that I'm not saying just go and do whatever you want to do. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you're reading the, the scriptures every day, if you're praying every day, if you're surrounding yourself with people who know God and will reflect back to you when you ask them, like, am I out to lunch on this? Am I doing the right thing on this? And they say, it seems like you're following after God. And then when people come up to you and say, hey, let's just go over here and talk about what you're doing because I don't like what you're doing. You can say, I don't have time to do that. I, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Um, here's a great companion passage from Peter, the rock on whom Jesus built the church, because he talks about following after God and not 
worrying about the rest of the world. And in fact, counting it as blessing when the world does not agree with you. First Peter 2, 19. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, hear that, right? Following after God. One endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. Now, here's where he says the other part that I was talking about. If you're the problem and you're doing something wrong, then stop doing something wrong. Verse 20. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? Let's pause there for a second again and hear that. If you're doing something wrong and you get punished for doing something wrong, you did the wrong thing. Should be clear, should be obvious, but it's hard for us to take responsibility sometimes. So I got to say those things out loud because Peter said those things out loud because Jesus said those things out loud. Continuing in verse 20. But if when you do good and you suffer for it, you endure, you persevere, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit, sin, lies found in his mouth. When Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He continued entrusting himself to him, Father God, who judges justly. That's First Peter 2. This is something that we need to get better at as a church. We want to be so kind and patient and gracious that we just let people walk all over us, especially when we are doing the work, when we're trying to follow, when we're trying to be faithful. So my encouragement is, and hopefully this passage as an encouragement is that you need to be faithful to God. And when you are faithful to God, when you go down this journey, when you walk on this path, there will be people, I guarantee there will be people. And this is not my guarantee. Peter's guarantee here, Nehemiah's guarantee, Jesus' guarantee. This is the only guarantee I can give you. There are going to be people who come up to you and say, you're doing the wrong thing. You're doing it the wrong way. You are not faithful. You're a bad person. And you have to understand that those people are going to come. So find the right people who are godly people, who are people who are actually following after God and listen to them and listen to the word of God. And don't listen to those people who say, hey, come on down. We just want to talk about this and maybe kill you. <laughs> like you have to focus on the right people because the right people are going to point you in the right way. And the first place to start is the word of God because he has given that to you. I hope this has encouraged you. I hope this has blessed you. I hope that you continue to seek after God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. God bless as always, and I hope that you keep the faith.